Hello everyone and welcome to the Artistic Futures podcast. My name is Marie and in this series I will be meeting a range of people who work in opera and are keen to share their passion with the next generation. From singers to conductors, directors to composers, you will get an insight into how a range of artists built on their careers, turning what they enjoyed doing and were good at into a profession. It will also be full of useful tips and advice for those of you who would be tempted to give it a go. So, let's get started. In this episode, I'm speaking to mezzo-soprano Crystal E. Williams. I met her at the Howard Opera Center. She had just finished her morning rehearsal with Opera North, and we headed to a local cafe to have a conversation over lunch. Crystal E. Williams is taking on the role of Carmen in a new production, which is on at Leeds Grand Theatre and on tour this season. It's her first time taking on this iconic role. Originally from the States, she has developed a successful operatic career on both sides of the Atlantic. She's also very supportive of the younger generation and founded the Crystal E. Williams Scholarship in 2004 to support students wishing to pursue a career in the performing arts. Hello. Thank, thank you for being my guest on this podcast. Of it's course, really thanks great. for having me. Really great to have you. I know you've been very busy Quite. in rehearsals over the last few weeks. I wanted to start this conversation by asking you, how did you come into singing? When, when did you start? Have you always um, sang? In, in my home church, there was not necessarily a children's choir or youth choir, um, but we always sang in the pews. And, um, and then later on, I played piano for Sunday school. So I kind of grew up with that, um, but I didn't start, I guess, show <laughs> singing yeah. until middle school with, you know, choir and stuff. And then um, it's funny, there was a sample of the Governor's School for the Arts that was touring in my neighborhood. Um, I think I was, it was either sixth or seventh grade. I think I was about 11 or something. Um, and so they toured to my, my neighborhood and Robert Brown was then the choral director. And so Robert Brown was sitting at the piano and they were actually uh, were playing the children's chorus from Carmen. Oh, and so you. his back was vibrating. And I remember just being drawn to this man's back vibrating as he was singing. And I, I just kind of stood, you know, not, not all the way close, but close enough that you know, I was just mesmerized by it fell in love with what I heard from it and and the the director um, Alan Fisher he said you know just audition and, and I'll get in so I I remember memorizing Voy que sapete from Le Nozze di Figaro and, and literally everyone in my family knows all the words um, this little child running around Voy que sapete so uh, and I auditioned and I got in and do you do you remember the first time you went to see an opera was it I a bit later? I think the the, actual, the first time I saw an opera was on TV. Yeah. Because in my hometown, we have something called uh, PBS. Um, and, and they would show all kinds of shows on, on there. The one, the first one that I remember is Il Trovatore with Leontine Price. And I think it was uh, Domingo. Um, oh, wow. Um, Il Trovatore. That's right. <laughs> I always remember that. Yeah. Um, and we had we had recordings of like Porgy and Bess and oh, stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. but the 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 first live one, uh, I don't know. Developing as a singer, did you have any role models that you really looked well, up to? Well, Leontine Price was one. I mean, she's actually probably 
he, I mean, she's one of the reasons why I am singing opera. We went to New York and there was the Tower of Records before everything happened in 2011. And I remember being glued to the floor. Leontine was singing something on the monitors. I have no idea what it was. But I just remember standing there just being mesmerized by her voice and just her whole presence. And I asked the director, I, you know, I asked the director, you know, how, how can I sing opera and, and, and help people? Because I always wanted to help people. I wasn't always going to be a singer. I wanted to do biology. I wanted to do psychology, music psychology. I mean, there's so many, the teacher, school teacher, because, I mean, if you think about it, all of most of your formative hours when you're young are spent with someone else they're spent in school yeah. and also when you're young to instill integrity and just independence and, and free thinking um and just to help foster better citizens of the world because it starts when you're young you know um but i asked the director i said how can i help people and he said you can help them through the music so that's what i've been trying to do ever since yeah. So did you get uh, private, well, singing lessons uh, at started, school, mm-hmm. uh, like private singing lessons? Is that how you started developing your, your yes. technique? Yes, it was a part of the Government yeah. School for the Arts. And then I also did private lessons um, with Alan Fisher. He was my voice teacher at the Government School. Then you went, you went on to study at university. So I think, if I'm right to say that you studied opera performance at Carnegie Mellon University and then Yale University School of Music. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that these experiences and the fact that you studied there prepare you to become an opera singer? Absolutely. And I'm, 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 I've always been a bit brainy, so Carnegie Mellon was a great fit because it's a very academic-based school um, with a strong music and arts department. So I, I was able to take other outside courses um, as well as my music classes. Um, I think that's really interesting, especially for young people who are listening, because... Mm. Um, people think that there's only one way of doing it, and it, which is going to a conservatoire and really concentrating on, on singing. But actually, there are lots of other ways you can yeah. do it. If you're interested in more academic stuff, mm-hmm. it's absolutely valid to go yeah. and study at university. Absolutely. Um, and then actually, I, I also attended the Academy of Vocal Arts because I didn't finish Yale where I wanted to. And this is something that I want to um, impress upon young singers. Don't force yourself to try and keep up with someone else's trajectory or someone else's path. I finished Yale University not where I needed to be, and I knew that. So I went further and I attended the Academy of Vocal Arts in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And that was a great space for me. It's four years, but I basically spent three. My fourth year, I made my professional debut and you know spent a lot of time away. But I needed that that time had I just tried to go out and start auditioning and doing all these things and you know maybe I would have made it maybe not but I knew in myself that I wasn't where I wanted to be so I decided to keep to keep studying and I made I met great people and I was a bit older and so I gave myself that time I've always had you know really hard teachers and instructors and it's because they, they see the potential. They don't see where you are now. They see where you could be. Yeah. And that, that has always been key to my growth. Thank you. I think I really like that advice of just doing what's right for you at that time. And, and I will say, though, you know, people hear like, oh, Carnegie Mellon, Yale University, you know, the Academy of Vocal Arts. I, I also want to stress that these are, yes, Ivy Leagues and, you know, top-notch um, institutions. Don't be afraid of finances. If, if that's an issue for you, I mean, for me, a lot of times it was hard just to pay the, the application fees. So my mom, she encouraged me. She said, just give up, you know, 
if there if you can't find a way because i looked there were scholarships for science math stem nursing i mean you name it there was a and, and, and just not for music so she said make one so my mom encouraged me to give a recital um so I gave this recital and uh, we started the Christopher Williams Scholarship. So she named it, just so everyone knows. It uh, wasn't me just naming after myself at like 17 or 18 years old. Um, and that scholarship, I, I gave the recital and I took the proceeds to help me get to college. And every year since, I've, I've done it and I've been able to help a graduating senior pursuing a career in the performing arts. So yeah, just just make a way. If, if, you, if, you, don't have, if you don't see one, just make one. Yeah. Don't give up. Over the years, I've seen that you've received also several prizes and taken part in international competitions. Do you feel that um, has helped you making contacts and open doors um, for you in the opera world? If I'm honest, which I generally am, um, not really. I'll be frank, the only competition that I really won was the Wilhelm Steinhammer competition in Sweden, and that was amazing. But that was literally the only competition I've ever won. I, I'm the type of person that I used to tape my rejection letters on the wall. Okay. So for me, it was like fuel, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but when I realized, I mean, at least in the states, for me, there was there was a cycle. There were certain people who won, and if you won this one, you won all of them. I and so once I kind of figured that out, it was you didn't take it as personally. As yeah, it was just like yeah. eh, I'll just win this money, and if I get to the next level, great. If I don't, fine. But as far as like you know, making or breaking my career, not necessarily so. I would say. Um, just an audition. I, I don't know. I know this is like roundabout, but yeah, my whole fun. presence here in the UK is mainly due to divine right, I suppose, and mainly Graham Vick and Sarah Playfair. Sarah Playfair, who's a casting director of Birmingham Opera Company, and she found me. So Sarah um, recommended me through. Uh, I think she has a colleague, or she had a colleague, or something in the US, and so it was through an audition. Like they flew me here to audition for this company, and and I and that opened huge doors because I've literally worked here in the UK um, qu quite a bit since my I, I did the audition in 2014 and I came here in 2015. Mind you, I made my professional debut in the states in 2014, and I've done more leading roles and more substantial roles here in the UK than I would say in the states. Oh, that's interesting. Um, just because of Graham Vick and, and Sarah, Play, Sarah Playfair's recommendation. So for yes, me... So sometimes it's really the luck of who you meet. It's the audition, time, you know, it? or, or yeah. the recommendation yeah. or, you know, just that. Yeah. Being what, you know, she saw, she knew some, she, she and, and it's funny because I had done, uh, it wasn't a competition, but it was a grant for money. And I didn't win, but I got a recommendation. And that was a greater prize because look what I've gotten just from being able to be there to to sing and audition for that grant. I say all that just to say, for me, it's not been competitions. It's been the, the small interactions with, you know, this audition or this this person at the end of a production or, or some, you know, uh, from doing a, a gig at, a, at an opera company. And, and my work has always begotten work. So it's those relationships versus competitions. Yeah. So yeah, you are now rehearsing the role of Carmen mm -hmm. at Opera North. But how do you prepare for a role like this one? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I was just doing Das Rheingold with Birmingham Opera Company literally a week before I started rehearsals here. I don't know. I, I guess for me, you know, it was that... 
I was busy and then Graham had just passed. So that was a huge loss, you know? Um, so that was just this energy that you channel and you just focus. And, and my, my dad always said, you're going to do, do some, do it well or not at all, you know? Um, and then my mom, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. So just these, these huge voices, just their shoulders I ride on, you know, I stand on and just, just driving me forward to, to want to do the best that I can do. And, and also Carmen, it's, it's very easy because it's a well-known, popular, everyone's done it kind of. (laughs) And so I just, I want it for myself to make sure that I wasn't intimidated by what has come before me. Um, and to make sure that I really go back to the text, go back to the score because I was hired because of something that I have to give. And so I, I wanted to make sure that I'm giving that and being true to myself as an artist and not doing myself as a, a disservice. And this is something that I really want to stress to the young people that yes, we can be inspired and we can be, um, you know, have role models and, and have these icons, um, that you know serve to i don't know give you that extra push or whatever you want to call it for me it's just inspiration and and um kind of mentorship but at the end of the day it's you up there on the stage and you have been hired they're not hiring you know shirley verrett they're not hiring leontine price they're not hiring marion anderson they're hiring crystal e williams or whatever your name is so make sure you show up with who you are I, I know that I'm an inspiration to someone who will then be an inspiration to someone. Yeah. And if you don't show up in your full capacity, then those people who come after you, they won't get what they probably should have gotten. Yeah. Took that kind of concern out of my head. It's been liberating. You know, I really go back to the score, to the text, and I say, but what does it actually say? This is what people always do. But what's in the score and why? And what do I want? Who do I envision Carmen? And how do I envision Carmen in today's time? How, how is she relevant today? What does she have to say that's new and, and reflective and inspirational for us today? Um, and that's also coupled with the director and the conductor because a lot of times as singers, we think, you know, we have this freedom. And that's kind of not true. <laughs> you know, as the, there's a lot to take into account. Isn't yeah. It? Like it's singer, not only you singing. It's like, yeah, it's, it's us singing. But at the, at the same time, it's like uh, the maestro might say like, oh, I don't like this note. You, you should sing if there's, a, if there's an osia or an option. Oh, I don't see that. That's not really written in the score. Or, or mm, that's not written in my score. Or, you know, something like that. And so you think, all right. Or if you want to sing it one way, and then the, the maestro says, eh, but maybe you should sing it this way. So a lot of the ideas you come, the, the dream team is when, when, you, when you work with a conductor and a director who literally work with you, where you're all in the same room. You're all putting your ingredients in the pot and you're mixing together. That's a dream team. But a lot of times it can just be kind of, no, I want you to move here. It doesn't matter what feels organic and what feels natural. So I'm very glad to be working with um, colleagues who are, very open and you know I mean we're all very opinionated let's be frank <laughs> but that's great because we're all still open and willing to listen and to, to figure it out together
Well, you've already mentioned the scholarship. So why do you think it's important to support young people in that way? I always say it takes a village, and it truly does, because my family has made huge sacrifices and supported me, and, and without them, I wouldn't be where I am and who I am today. It's, it is a family affair, you know? Um, so that kind of dedication um, to not only me as an artist and their family member, but also the community, because I also started this as a way to show people from my, my community that there are people who support you, because... I would go and I would say, oh, I'm giving this concert or I'm singing at you know, the governor's school, I'm performing in an opera, and they're like, opera, oh, I don't want to go. And I'd say, have you ever, have you ever heard classical music? Oh, no. So, so you're just buying, you have no idea. And so after a number of that, those kinds of comments, I said, no, I want great art and the highest caliber of musicianship and artistry for my community, for my people. And it's just to bring the community together and show them that you can do this. And there are absolutely beautiful, talented people who come from our area who do these, these things. They have to know. And I, and I refuse to give up on my, on my community. I refuse to let these, these young artists of tomorrow think that there's no one who supports them, that there's no one doing what they want to do. That's absolutely not true. And so I go back to show them that we are here that it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter the background, you can do it. And I'm living proof of that. What you just said about your community and making sure that the arts is available for them and that they can see that there's a place for them in this world. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if in your career so far, the fact that you are black has represented any barrier or if it's all challenges as the opera is in this country anyway still seen as a very white art form mm. well if it has I I don't know <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it's been, I mean maybe, there was maybe a stupid question for me to ask maybe maybe that's a question that we shouldn't well, even ask I don't know yeah I mean in an ideal world we wouldn't have to no no but let's be real <laughs> well yeah yeah Um, I mean, I think, I think, of course, you know, I mean, there was an issue with, you know, skin and, and um, not blackface, but, you know, lightening the color. Mm. I mean, overall, I just, I show up and I, and I do what I, what I'm there to do. You yeah. Know? At the end of the day, it's the work you've put in. And yeah. 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 And then, and I'm sure there've been opportunities that have been, you know, closed or, or not offered because of how I look or, or something, but you know, Those aren't opportunities for me. I don't. I don't see it as a as a, a negative loss. I, I see it as I wasn't meant to be there. Mm -hmm. While I'm while I'm showing up to the places where I am invited and where I am supposed to be, then hopefully I am showing people and and reminding people that talent is talent. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about sharing something deeper than the color of your skin. What do you think could be done? still today to make the Diopa world more inclusive? Well, it's funny. Everyone's asking this question now. Yeah. Um, I mean, quite point blank. Ask the people who are hiring. Ask the people who run these companies. They're the ones who can affect this change. Hire more diverse people. I mean, you can argue going into the communities and going into the neighborhoods to help foster great talent from younger and, and giving um, an equitable and equal 
opportunity from from youth. Yeah. That plus just hire talented people. You know, I don't believe I don't want to be hired just because of the color of my skin. Of course. Hire me because you believe in what I have to share and what I have to give. And if you do that, if you open your mind to to all of the possibilities that come in all kinds of colors and shapes, then that's it. We wouldn't have this conversation. I had another question, but that was more linked to um, the activity and the fact that after the terrible events in 2020 in the, in the States and um, the, the Black Lives Matter movement became more prominent um, and took center stage in the news. And do you feel that's important for opera companies and the arts more generally to take position on such issues? And do you feel that music could, or the art, the art could make a difference to make things better or to, to make societies evolve? If we look at the history of art in general, art was, and even in the beginning, almost a way of protest. There was censorship, there was all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, look at the Beaumarchais plays, look at, you know, Mozart, you know, the, the, the lower class rising up. It's always been about equality and equity um, and sharing this experience that is, that is human. It's not, it's not only one specific color. I mean, this is why my husband and I created Fuhopera because there's so many um, divides and so many just just ideologies about around classical music or, or even just certain kinds of music, you know, uh, that, that separate us. And we're a lot more similar than we think. So for me, it, for me it's about sharing great art with everyone. Art and in and, and, and all of its forms should be about bringing this, this unspoken language or this unspoken love, should I say, dare I say, to all that we can share in this experience. And so for me to try and isolate that for one or, or, or any kind of culture or any kind of race or whatever word, it's universal. It, it is the universal language. And so my job as an artist is to make sure that voice, my voice, their voices, our voices, make sure that they continue to be heard. Am I, am I glad that opera companies are finally um, being held accountable and, and you know, making themselves more aware, I suppose? Yes, it's great. And, and, and actually, another plus is that more people are getting more opportunities, people that they wouldn't even have thought about. I think that's great. There's a wealth of talent across the seas. I mean, imagine, imagine the art world if we just just open our eyes, just open the doors. Just imagine. The collaboration I mean, they could be, would, yes. it could be incredible. And I also feel that the arts should represent society and our societies are more and more mixed, which I think is a real richness. If the apparel wants to survive, it has to. It has to also, um, you know, be more diverse, involve people who come in with different ideas, and be more relevant to the world we live in today as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the the mantra now is, you know, to make the stage represent the community. Mm -hmm. That's a great place to start. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people who don't perform because 
because of all the, these conversations that we've been talking about just now. Mm-hmm. They're people who literally do not perform because of experiences they've had that have excluded them, that have um, alienated them. And I, and I feel like if there's one thing that the pandemic has opened up is that we have, we're so much more than just X, Y, and Z. And so now so many artists and directors and every, so many people are just doing whatever they want, they want and whatever they can. Why are we limiting ourselves? I mean, I, I always think I don't want to limit God. If God has given me multiple talents, who am I to just say, oh, I sing? Actually, no. I compose. I'm a writer. I'm like an amateur dancer. I mean, I'm a mover, I say. You know, it's... Why? Um, do you feel all these things that you do also on the side make you a better singer? Probably it does. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And, and just tapping into those things has also freed me. I remember the, I remember my, my, my astro artist's um, debut recital in Philadelphia. And they said, oh, we want you to do a recital that represents you. And I love dancing. I'm not a dancer, but I, I'm a mover. And so I wanted to dance on my program. I remember I was a little bit nervous saying to them, you know, this classical, classical-based um, inst- or, or organization that I wanted to dance on my classical voice recital. And they thought, oh, it's great, you know? And I just remember being feeling so empowered. You know, you can, you can like, when you're doing 12 performances, say for Carmen, it's easy to go, okay, here I do this and here I do that. But it takes extreme focus to every single time you go on stage, when you hear Carmen, it's the first time you ever heard it. Every, mind you, we've been, we will have been rehearsing like two and a half months. Then you add another month and a half of performances. By the end, you're like, Carmen, oh, okay. No, Carmen, it's the first time. Because that's where the magic yes. happens. And yeah. so for, for me, that's, that's why I feel like we can learn so much from all of, the art, all of the art forms. Because it's not saying one is better than the other. It's saying we're all better together. But I think it's so nice chatting to you. Thank you so much. I'm enjoying this chat. I was wondering if you had any tips or advice to give to young people who might be considering training as opera singer or embarking on a career. What what would be the main advice you would give them? Hmm. I would definitely say welcome a thick skin. <laughs> you you may or most likely will receive quite a bit of no's, and that's fine. I would say have a, a an integral circle that you trust, you know, a voice teacher, coach, you trust their ears, and you trust their advice. Because there, there will come opportunities for roles and for gigs that just are not good for you at that time, or ever. Or there may come opportunities that... Um, that you might not feel you're ready to, to to accept, but you are, and those and through those opportunities, you will you will reach your next level of maturation as, uh, in artistry. So you you have to have um, a good circle, but then even more important is to trust yourself. Well, at a certain level, you've done the training, you've you've studied, and you know your instrument, you know yourself well enough to know whether or not you can do something. If you've bitten off too much, then more than you can chew. You just have to be mature enough to say, excuse me, look, um, I thought I could do this, but for whatever, you know, for whatever reasons, I, I cannot. 
and we have to be able to stand up for ourselves because most times you will be your best advocate and your only advocate. Yeah, you don't you don't show up to a production with your voice teacher or your vocal coach or your whatever coach. It's just you. So it, be professional, be on time, and I'll tell you this: on early is on time, on time is late, and late is unacceptable. Like that is absolutely true. It's better to sing sharp than flat. That's a good. Everybody says. I mean, of course, don't sing sharp or flat. But if you have to sing one of them, sing sharp. <laughs> um, know your music in and out. Just, just be professional. Be prepared. And then for for the ones who are coming up and, and thinking about pursuing this career, listen. Find a voice teacher. Find someone who understands your instrument, who understands you. And and it's not about the name. It's not about the the, the institution or. Just find someone who can teach you. Just make sure that that you have that foundation. Learn piano, singers, and and if you can, learn a stringed instrument. A singer so that you can accompany yourself. I mean, when you're learning, you can learn your own music. You don't have to rely on another pianist. And then B, so that you'll know the score enough that you can say like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to hear the bassoons here. So I may not get it in the piano reduction, but when we get to the orchestra, I'll get that cue. Um, and then I would say this, have fun, have fun, have fun, have fun. And for those of you thinking like, oh, when I, when I start my career, your career has already started. Your career started now. Young artist programs, even music programs, music schools, everybody talks. Don't listen to them if they say they don't. Everybody talks. Everyone's talking about, oh, do you know a young singer? Oh, did you hear this singer? She's really good. And then they might say, oh, but she was late. She's so late. She's late all the time. Oh, she doesn't know her music. Oh, he's, he's always unprepared. Ah, he's unreliable. Just just show up. Just start now. Start now. You, you are, you are, you're a young artist now. <laughs> There's only one you, and you have something to say, so make sure that we can hear you. We can see you. You've been listening to the Opranos Artistic Futures podcast with the inspirational mezzo-soprano Crystal E. Williams. Next time, I will be speaking to opera director Matthew Everard. Matthew is directing Trouble in Tahiti at Opera North this season, and has been a real supporter of our youth company over the last five years. If you have any burning questions for our future guests, or would like to suggest people you would like to meet, please email education at opfornorth.co.uk. You can also find us on Twitter, search Opfornorth Education. See you next time! <laughs>